Hi, and welcome to the My Career Podcast uh, with Pathway CTM. My name is Max, and I'm your host. I'm joined today by Ismail, who studied uh, engineering at the University of Surrey. He did mechanical engineering, and he did a master's. Um, later on, he decided that... Um, engineering wasn't necessarily for him so went into the consultancy side of engineering we're going to meet him in a second to find out if he had his time again would he do anything differently and if he would do anything differently what would he do so let's meet him to find out this afternoon we're here with uh, Ismail Ismail welcome to the podcast uh, can you give us a little sense of who you are what do you do and who do you do it for please yeah sure so my name is Ismail Islam I'm a management consultant for Atkins which is a, a global management consultancy company and engineering company and we focus on all sorts of projects around the world so that can be things like work for the government um, when it comes to you know some of the the, the projects that they're doing to, to help make people's lives better stuff with the NHS stuff with the Ministry of Defense uh, things like the army for example we do also do a lot of work with other companies such as Heathrow Airport um, we do a lot of infrastructure projects um, related to that we do perhaps um, work related to the, the highways agency to kind of make the, the roads a little bit um, at least work sometimes um, depending on all the traffic and so on but no that, that's some of the work that we do particularly in the UK but internationally there's so much going on if you go on the website you can see all sorts of things I, I sound like I'm doing like an advert for the company I'm really not I'm just trying to obviously say my piece but doing good promotion don't worry. oh fantastic that's so you good. work for Atkins uh, you're a management consultant yes is that what you studied at university no. What did you study? So I studied engineering. And actually, even before going into specifically mechanical engineering, which is what I ended up studying, I, I actually applied for automotive engineering. Because okay. when I was in school, things like cars and, and stuff like that was, was so interesting to me. I, I used to go on YouTube and, you know, all those different car YouTube channels where you're just looking at all these sports cars and supercars and I would just memorize all the different, like, numbers of how fast these these things can go and I thought yeah I'd really like to get involved in that oh you know what working in Formula One would be awesome so I thought to myself you know what that's the pipe dream why not just go for it so I, I, I applied for automotive engineering initially at the University of Surrey which is where I studied and when I started I thought to myself maybe I'm kind of limiting myself a bit too much because automotive engineering although it's got a lot of breadth in in the automotive industry why would I want to just focus on the automotive industry? What if I change my mind later on? So I was kind of thinking about this as I started. And a lot of the people who I met at university, they were also studying mechanical engineering. So I thought, you know, let me give myself that breath. Let me give myself that breathing space and go for a mechanical engineering degree instead. So I switched course in, in, the, first, in the first week and actually changed my course from an initial bachelor's degree to something called an integrated master's degree. Okay. So I'm not sure if many people will hear this, but... It's something that has become a lot more common now, particularly with the sciences. So instead of doing just a bachelor's degree and then just a normal master's degree afterwards, like an MSc or an MA, you can actually do a straight four-year course. Now, one of the benefits of this is you don't have to have two different ceremonies. You don't have to do a whole load of complicated things with student loans and stuff like that. It, it's pretty much as treated like a bachelor's degree, but you get a master's qualification at the end of it. And I thought for me that that's really convenient. So I did that four straight years later. And by the end, I thought to myself, you know what? This was a good ride, but engineering's not for me anymore. That's interesting. So initially um, in year 12, year 13, you wanted to do engineering. You were excited by cars. That's where you went. You decided to go to university. Um, why did you decide to go to university to do engineering? So at my school, there was a kind of expectation that most people would go to university. Okay. 
And it wasn't obviously said that we had to go university, nor was it said that that was the only route for us. Things like apprenticeships and, and just straight jobs were obviously things that they, they talked about. But because of, I guess, the the general culture of the school and what previous students had obviously gone and done and the success of what they've achieved while going to university, it was kind of assumed that if you did go to university, you would have, I guess, a huge advantage in, in, in the general professional workplace. So I thought to myself, I guess that's, that's the route for me. And initially when I was applying to universities, um, I remember I got my results back from uh, my AS levels in, in year 12. And unfortunately they weren't as, uh, as successful as I thought they would be. And by the end of it, when I got my predicted grades for when you can apply to UCAS, I, I saw that there wasn't really a lot that I could actually apply for at that time. So then the opportunity for maybe looking into apprenticeships was around. At the time, because I was looking for degree apprenticeships specifically, because mm -hmm. I did really want a degree, I okay. knew that that was a, a key milestone for me, particularly if I wanted to go into engineering, right? With, with most engineering jobs, you do require that engineering qualification. So I thought, right, what is there around at the time? And there are... At, at that point in time, which is around what, nearly five years ago. Now, okay. Time flies. So yep. around five years ago, there were there were a few. So I remember there was um, one by Rolls-Royce. Rolls-Royce were doing something called a manufacturing engineering degree. And I think that was actually integrated masters as well. And there was one by Dyson. Dyson actually at that point had just trialed their initial apprenticeship scheme where they were... Um, they basically had people come work directly in the in the Dyson headquarters, right. and you know they, they, it's fantastic. And that was specifically related to design, and that was something that I really enjoyed. At, at school, one of the subjects I studied was design technology. Okay, absolutely loved it, and the teachers I had were were fantastic at the time. And I thought, you know what, that's the route for me. Going into that sort of design element, engineering side of, of the of the working world. By the time I left school, though, and I had got my grades and I was happy with what I'd got and I, I was given a university offer, I, I kind of almost lost that passion for, for the designing and engineering, well, di design engineering side of it rather than just pure engineering. And I think one of the reasons for that was because I didn't really feel like I had that, I guess, talent for it. Okay. Um, which is an interesting point because, you know, if you enjoy something, they say that you should keep pursuing it or get better at it. Interesting decision to make at quite a young age as well. That's it, right? Because also another thing that I guess naively I was looking at that point was things like salaries and job progression, of course. which is something that, you know, we all think about. We, we don't want to get stuck in a place where we think that, that there's nowhere else for us to go. We're, we're at the peak, right? Especially at that young age where yeah. I, I thought to myself, well, a design engineer, they only earn this much. And after you've done that, what, what else can you go into? And these, these were conversations I was having with my teachers as well. And they, so you were doing they, quite a lot of research around your future. You know what? It was something that I really did think about. And you know what? That was also helped with my parents as well. Okay. So my, there was this weird time where I thought that I was going to study economics at school. And um, Interesting point you make about your parents, actually, yeah. because when we look at students and the decisions they make, um, the biggest, um, biggest factor on the decisions that they do make is their parents and their yeah. parents' opinion. So parents, we know, are quite a big driver of what a student ends up doing. And that's why we try to educate parents, too, in terms of what's available for their, for their children no, so that they can help them make better decisions. I'm going to ask you a question because you talked about um, at your school, 
most people went on to university. Does that mean that do you feel pressure? Did did you feel pressured that university was the way that you needed to go? Or was it a case of um, so much was spoken about university, but not much was spoken about apprenticeships that kind of just naturally lean towards university rather than apprenticeships? I think it's the latter. Okay. I think it's the latter because we, we knew apprenticeships existed. Mm -hmm. And at school, we had those sessions where they would go over things like, you know, citizenship and, you know, how to, you know, progress after school and what you can do in the working world and, and, and stuff like that. And apprenticeships were mentioned. I remember we did have um, a couple of workshops by people who were apprentices come mm -hmm. and talk about what they were doing. I remember there was this um, one student who came from Airbus, I believe. He was a previous student. He was showing us what he had done. And that was really interesting. I think at the time, what was the limiting factor for me was a lot of those apprenticeships were kind of technician apprenticeships. Okay. So there wasn't a degree attached to them. And, and I think at the time it was because for a lot of companies, the apprenticeship schemes were sort of a, a new thing. It's a lot more common now and there's a lot more degree apprentice options right now. But because this is we're talking five years ago, this is so five, five years, years ago. There were a lot less opportunities available and a lot of companies exactly. were setting up new courses Lot of, lots of different things were happening. So if we look at the landscape now, in terms of degree apprenticeships, there is a lot more available because a lot more companies have invested into apprenticeships and it's going to continue to grow. Okay, Exactly. And you know what as well, right? One of the things that I was specifically looking at was that sort of engineering side mm -hmm. because that was the route that I wanted to go down initially for my career. So in, in that space, there was a huge limitation of one, the companies that offered it, but two, the kind of because of the small amount of companies offering those those types of degrees, there was a lot of competition. So if I applied, I don't think at the time, and I did apply and I got rejected, it, it wouldn't have been great for me either because if I just rested my, my entire, I, I guess, hopes on an apprenticeship scheme, it would have failed. So I did have to look at university almost as kind of a backup option to that. Let me ask you a question there, because when you talk about the competition and you were looking at this and you were looking at um, you're looking at apprenticeships, degree apprenticeships, and you're thinking about the competition, were you comparing it to um, how easy it was going to be to get onto a degree apprenticeship compared to how easy it was going to be to get into university? Or were you looking at it as how easy it was going to be to get a graduate role compared to getting onto a degree apprenticeship? I think at that point. Graduate roles weren't really something I was thinking about okay. too much then, um, because at that point you're thinking so much about A levels and exams, you just kind of want to get onto the next mm -hmm. stage. So, for me at the time, it was really just thinking about the the competition just to get onto that course, just to get onto that uh, that apprenticeship. And you know, it was something that I did get help from. My teachers did help me with with the with the application schemes and so on, but. You know, unfortunately, there's so well, not unfortunately, there are so many great candidates mm -hmm. for these roles. So, you know, the best candidates obviously got those positions. And for me, then I saw university as not really something that I needed to try too hard to. And I'm not trying to say this in, in a super arrogant way, but a lot of people do, obviously, if they want to go to uni, end up going to university. Yeah. Because if you want to study something at a university, the chances are you're going to have multiple options to study yes. it. And it may not be your first choice, but you'll get an opportunity. And I think for me, that's what I ended up doing. Although, having said that, I don't regret going to university. I perhaps, in hindsight, if my graduate role was offered as an apprenticeship scheme back when I was 18, and I knew that I would have liked to do this role, 100% I, I would have applied for it. 
So let's be clear, your graduate role, because you went to university, you did that integrated master's, so you qualified with a master's in, in engineering, in mechanical engineering, yes. you said. When you were looking at it, you were looking at the competition in terms of if I'm going to apply to a degree apprenticeship, there's a lot of competition. It's a lot easier to get into university. Yeah. The reason why I, I picked that out is because um, a lot of students still look at that. How easy is it to get into university? Not in terms of how easy is it, in terms of how many places are available. Mm. There's a lot more opportunities to get into university. You still need to get the right grades for certain yes. universities. But you will look at um, apprenticeship and degree apprenticeship roles and students will look at that and go, well, there's less competition to get into university. The reason why I pick it out is because as a student making that decision, you need to look at the competition at the graduate role level. Mm -hmm. Because once you get your degree, you don't have a job. Yes. Now you need to apply to the job. Now you need to apply to the graduate role. That's where you need to see the competition. So that's where it really sits. And we've talked about this before. Um, the data that comes out of the ISE, with the, which is the Institute of Student Employers, shows that for every one graduate role available in England, there's roughly 100 people applying to wow. each one graduate role. Whereas if you look at apprenticeships, all apprenticeships across England, uh, for every one apprenticeship role, there's roughly 35 to 40 people applying for every apprenticeship role yeah. in England. So the competition to get onto an apprenticeship is a lot lower than the competition to get onto a graduate yes. role. That was research from two years ago, and I'm sure that the data has been updated. It actually hasn't been updated by the IC yet, but it will be. Um, so we can look at it again. But you then referenced something about um, if your graduate role had been available as an apprenticeship, a degree apprenticeship, you'd have probably gone and done that. Yeah. What was your graduate role? Because it wasn't mechanical engineering, was it? No. So my graduate role, and, and this is really interesting, right? So when I was studying at university, I still thought that I was going to be an engineer. And that, that makes sense. I'm studying engineering, right? And, and I do like what I'm doing. I like doing those projects. I like getting involved in, you know, creating solutions to problems, which is basically what engineering is in a nutshell. And there were various companies which I thought, you know, are, are really at the forefront of, of that. And one of the things that I was really interested in was infrastructure projects. So things like Atkins, right, which is the company I now work for. Atkins is a fantastic company and they, they're, 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 you know, they're based across multiple different locations. And right now they're actually strengthening their, their, um, their, their client base in the Middle East because there's, there's a whole host of massive infrastructure projects going on over there. But... Atkins is primarily known in the UK and Europe scene as well. And for me, what some of the stuff that they were doing was really inspirational. And I thought, oh, I'd love to be an engineer for, for Atkins. What I didn't know at the time was Atkins isn't actually a pure engineering company. It's an engineering consultancy firm, which is slightly different. So it means then you're not basically making stuff. An engineering company makes something. They okay. produce something which is then going to be used by people. Whereas a consultancy firm basically gives more advisory to those engineering companies. So you still need to be an engineer because you need to understand what they're doing, but you're not in the nitty gritty of the manufacturing process. You're kind of taking a more high level look and giving a more kind of, I guess, advice on the design aspect and also project management and things like that. So then when I was kind of in my final year of university, I, I thought to myself, okay, maybe not engineering specifically, but maybe engineering consultancy 
So I can still utilize my engineering skill set, but in an environment and in a role which is more suited to perhaps the project management side of work that I'm more interested in, rather than the, the nitty gritty technical details. So does that mean through, um, whilst studying your degree and through the different modules that you did, did you pick up on different areas that you were you were stronger at, certain areas you were weaker at, and then you, you identified those bits that you enjoyed more and decided you wanted to go towards that way? Because you just referenced project management. Does that mean that you discovered that project management was something you, you enjoyed and were good at? Oh, 100%. Maybe not necessarily good at. Obviously, there's things that I'd like to improve in, in the skills that you, you obviously utilize in project management, but it was something I really enjoyed. And project management isn't just being the leader of a project. That, that's not what, what we mean by that. Project management is how do you get a starting point where you have an idea and get it to where it needs to be by the end. There is a whole host of different processes that that takes. And I was so interested in that kind of that wider angle look at a project rather than going in and specifically looking at how do I make this bolt really tight or, or something okay. like that. And for me, that bigger picture was was what I was more interested in, which is why large scale engineering projects were what really interested me. And that's why I kind of changed my mind about going into that area rather than proper manufacturing. So through the modules you did at uni, you were exposed to different areas that then showed you that there was other opportunities that you could take on. At the beginning, when you started your university degree, um, you mentioned you looked at automotive engineering, then you switched over to mechanical engineering. You didn't have a, a, an idea at that point that it was consultancy and project management that you wanted to get into at a later date. You were still open and learning. And so through through the learning that you did, you, you've been exposed to different areas, which um, I'll pick out because you did that university and you do your different modules and year on year, you, you study different topics um, aligned to mechanical engineering. Through a lot of um, degree apprenticeships and apprenticeships, um, students will be taken into a business and rotate around different areas so they get those different ideas as well. So they still have that opportunity to discover what it is that they enjoy that they might not have been exposed to before. Had you been exposed to project management before? Uh, at school, no. Okay. But at university, pretty much from the get-go. Okay. And that was what I really appreciated. So, and this, this is what is why it's really important for everyone who's applying to university. Really look at the content of the courses that you're doing because it's not just a case of, look, we all kind of got trapped into the idea of looking at universities with the biggest name or the biggest brands or, you know, who have, you know, um, amazing graduates coming from them. But truthfully, the best university experience you're going to get and the most value you're going to get from your degree are the ones where you can actually utilize the information that you're learning. Because look, I've, I've graduated from university and I have loads of friends who have as well. A lot of them do regret actually studying their, their course because what they do now is completely irrelevant to what they studied. And I think that's, that's a real shame because you spend so much time and, and you invest so much of your, your resources into this degree that you kind of do want to get something out of it. Like at least that, the opportunity that I have now is because of the degree that I studied rather than just it being kind of potluck and finding your way through in the end. Because I think a lot of people might waste their time by doing that. I love that piece of advice to look at the content of the course that you're going to study. It is very easy to to pick out the course and the university and think that's where I want to go. That's what I want to study. But you really need to look at the modules that are going to be offered. Did you do that when you went to uh, when you were going through your UCAS applications? How many universities did you visit? I'm going to call you out here. Yeah, go ahead. You go did on. or didn't. But did you go and visit universities? Did you look at the course content? Did you really study the modules that they were going to offer you? Or did that 
light bulb turn on later on. So I'll raise you to that. So I actually not only visited the universities, but I actually went on taster days as well. Okay. So I actually had a, a little bit of a taster about what the different courses would be like. And I'll give you a couple of examples. So in it, because I live in London, I thought, you know what, let me go to a London university. It's nearby to where I live. It's probably easy travel, probably save some money than, than you know, potentially living out. It's just convenient, right? And I, I visit- I'll just let you know there, when I was choosing which university to go to, um, so that students can see the other side, I mapped out all the universities that were far enough. I lived in London too, and I grew up in London, but I mapped out all the universities that were far enough away from London and my <laughs> parents that they couldn't visit me every weekend, but they could probably get down every sort of six, seven weeks. So I ended up in Exeter, but I looked at uh, I looked at uh, Hull University, which is really far away, <laughs> Warwick, Durham, uh, Exeter, as I said. So yeah, different different mindset. No, you know what though? I'll, I'll tell you how my mindset changed though in a second. So I, I was looking at those universities initially, and I went to some of their taster days where they kind of introduced some of the engineering courses that they did. And I thought, okay, I think engineering is right for me, but I'm not sure these places are probably the best place. Because one of the things that I found with those universities specifically was I wasn't really impressed by the facilities or perhaps the, the, the way that they were teaching and stuff like that. Um, and, and speaking to some students there as well directly, which is probably the best thing that you can do to get that honest feedback about what the course is like. I thought that it probably wasn't the culture that I would have fit in primarily. So then I looked at the university I ended up going to, which was Surrey. Now, Surrey, funnily enough, it's not in London. So parents can't come and visit me all the time. But it was just about far enough away where I could have my independence, but go home as well if things just get a little bit too too crazy so no I, I thought that was a really good decision for me and you know what that funnily enough was the only university that I actually didn't visit that I applied to I uh, I applied to multiple universities and I visited them all but Surrey was the one which I ended up going to that I didn't visit and that was based on a recommendation of a few of my friends at school who said Surrey is actually a really good university it's got fantastic facilities teaching is fantastic there and it's really high in the league tables at the time so I thought you know what let me just put it down and kind of just how things worked out it ended up being probably the best choice that I made in terms of my my university application interesting how things work out because we we give all this advice you need to go and visit the universities you need to look at and the I would content. still say that's the case you should still always visit the university if you can we understand that sometimes it's not as easy um look at the course content so did you also look at University of Surrey and the modules that they were going to offer you and what they were going to cover but I suppose my question as well is you looked at automotive engineering. How much did it change from automotive to mechanical? What what changed in the course? So funnily enough, the first two years of both those degrees are pretty much identical. Where it starts to differentiate is in that final year where you, you then start to pick up the specialities of each different um, engineering stream. So with automotive, you then start to focus on specific car design, aerodynamics, um, chassis balance and stuff like that. And the projects that you then do are pretty much focused on automotive engineering. Whereas with the mechanical engineering, there's a bit more flexibility. You can go down the automotive route in your project, but you have, I guess, more option to look at other forms of engineering. Because mechanical engineering is a very broad engineering term, really. I wouldn't even say it's actually a specific job necessarily, because mechanical engineers can be biomedical engineers, where they focus on things like how to basically make medical equipment better. It can be technically civil engineering. Civil engineering is actually a little bit more of it, its own thing, but a mechanical engineer can understand the main principles of civil engineering. Aerospace engineering is also a type of mechanical engineering and automotive is as well. Mechanical engineering is just anything that moves. So anything that moves, that's what falls into mechanical engineering. So I thought, you know what? I like that 
sort of breadth that mechanical engineering gives to me. Whereas with automotive engineering, what if, oh my God, what if I don't like cars anymore? It's a very weird thing to think about. But I thought, you know what? Mechanical engineering still allows me to look on those projects if I wanted to. But I'll be able to look at other things as well. And, and that's what I was sort of thinking about when I sort of changed my mind. Okay. Through university, once you got into university, you, you looked at things and you assessed it and you changed and we went from automotive to mechanical engineering. But we can see your thought pattern there. Then as you go through university and you get towards the end of fourth year and you're looking at job opportunities, uh, you ended up looking at consultancy. It's important to, to call it out because um, when we talk to students at 17, 18 years old, there's a lot of pressure on students to make a decision about their future. Yes. And a lot of the time, the, the, the talk around that is that you need to make a decision that's going to be for the rest of your life. But really, it is an important decision to make, but it doesn't shape the whole of the rest of your life. Mm. In your case, you got into university and you were able to change. So you made that change. And then after studying four years, you decided, well, actually, there's a different side to engineering that I enjoy. And it's not the actual doing, it's not actually being in the doing it, the researching it, but it's about the consultancy, the consulting mm. side, the advising which gave you access to different projects. So it is important for students to understand that doing what you enjoy at that moment in time is really important because you don't know where it's going to take you later on. Yours took you to management consultant, uh, engineering consultancy. Yes. So you're a graduate consultant. Yes. Give us a sense then of what do you do? What does that actually mean? So an engineering consultant, <laughs> what kind of projects are you working on for Atkins if you're allowed to tell us? Sure. So a consultant. So Here's the funny thing. Any consultant will say anything about consultancy. Truth is, none of us know exactly what a consultant does. Okay. And, and the, the, the truth is that a consultant can do many things. In the same way, actually, that an engineer can do many things as well. We, we say, oh, you're going to be an engineer, but what are you engineering? There's many things that you could be engineering. Same with consultancy. What are you consulting on? So consultancy in, I guess, the broadest sense is advising. Now, what do you advise on is the real question. So whatever project that you end up landing on, there's a whole bunch of things that kind of need expertise in. And potentially you might need to have an engineer on that project to, to obviously do an engineering task. But there are other things that a consultant can do. So a consultant needs to have good analytical skills. So can they look at some data, analyze it, get some information from it, and then feed it back? And that's basically the consultancy skills. It's about you know, being able to communicate your ideas effectively, but also having that analytical mind and that creativity to think about nuances that maybe other people haven't seen. Consultancy can also be to do with management. And, you know, how do you manage a business? How do you manage a project? How do you manage a program or a portfolio? Again, that's something that you kind of learn over time because the the people who are project managers tend to have like a bit more experience because they need to be involved in, in projects beforehand. But it's something that I, for myself, I'm really working towards because I really like the idea of being able to see the bigger picture, having a vision for it, and then laying out a pathway to basically see that vision come into a reality. And ultimately for me, what, what gave me the opportunity to see that is the work that I was doing in my engineering course. Because in my engineering course, yes, we learned all the technical skills, but what they focused on in the project work that we did was, look, you're gonna, if you're gonna be successful, you need to have more than just these technical skills. You need the soft skills. And I think perhaps maybe one of the things which 
maybe schools lack nowadays is highlighting the importance to kids going and finding these jobs and finding these career paths that those skills that are ultimately going to get you to the highest positions that you really want to go to they're the ones that aren't taught to you as as technical skills they're the ones that you develop by speaking to different people getting experience getting involved in stuff that you're really interested in and i think for me that's that's ultimately why i decided to go into consultancy it is fair to say that soft skills are important. They will always be important through your life. Now, if you are a student and you're thinking, look, I'm in year 11, 12 or 13 or even lower, how do I go out and get these soft skills and why are they important? You will find that a lot of companies that uh, offer apprenticeships or degree apprenticeships um, will look at the kind of soft skills that you have. So um, we're talking things about how do you communicate? How do you listen to people? Um, can you debate? Can you reason? How do you then go and get these skills? And it's through if they're available in your area, part-time jobs, but also activities that you would do outside of school. Um, for example, some students, we always say the classic one is to volunteer. Don't volunteer if it doesn't excite you, but what do you do outside? Do you take part in sports activities? Do you learn instruments? Do you get involved in groups um, where you might meet with other people, discuss certain things, uh, or do you have a, a gen uh, uh, a communal passion so for example when I was younger I, I love I still love motor racing so I used to do a lot of go-karting and I was always meeting my friends every weekend talking about go-karting Formula One how to set up a go-kart how to take it apart engines we were always talking about that those enhance your skills and then we were talking to adults about it these kind of things help when you were at school what soft skills what did you do to give you soft skills if anything you know, what? one of the things which I really enjoyed at the time was if your school offers this would be fantastic. But the Duke of Edinburgh Award, 100 percent, a really good thing to get involved with, because <laughs> annoyingly, the group that I was in, they were they were they were a fun bunch, but they were kind of a bit, you know, not serious at the same time. So when you're in the woods and you have to get from A to B, there's a lot of communication involved. There's a lot of like, guys, what are we doing? We don't know where we're going. We can't use Google Maps because we don't have our phones. How are we going to get home? Is there we conflict management? Oh, 100%. 100%. So, you know, that's a great way of just building up. your school. And in a fun way as well. It's something that a lot of schools do offer. And if your school doesn't offer it, there's a lot of community centers that, that do offer something like the Duke of Edinburgh Award as well. You mentioned some fantastic ones as well, like volunteering at, at a shop nearby or maybe even getting involved in things like sports as well. Sports is, you know, fun enough. Yes, you're, you're having fun, you're doing things. But part of like, being a good sportsman is how you interact with people mm -hmm. like your teammates. How do you take on feedback? How do you respond to that? How do you improve yourself? A lot of that is discipline and discipline you get from a whole range of things. And I think sports is a great way to do that. So well. also how do you give feedback? There's a yes. different way of giving it too. <laughs> okay. When we talk um, uh, about management consultancy, that's what you do at the moment, excuse me, engineering consultancy, that's what you do at the moment. You consult all these engineering companies. Did you give us a sense of any projects that you're working on at the moment? Oh yes, I was meant to do that. So at the moment I'm working for Heathrow and Heathrow, as we all know, is an airport. And one of the things that they're doing at the moment is essentially revamping their entire fleet of security lanes. So as you go through an airport, you obviously have to go through security to make sure that you haven't got anything dodgy on you. And then you can get on the plane and go to your destination. But a lot of the equipment that's been on the lane so far is quite old. And it's come to a point now that there's a lot of companies that have produced some really good technology that can one scan people's bags and people much quicker. And also it, it just means that, you know, a lot of that old technology that might have some bugs or malfunctions can just be gotten rid of so at the moment 
that's what that's the program that I'm on. And specifically the job that I do is I analyze that and look into the pilot lanes. So the pilot lanes, so before you can just implement all this technology, you need to see how it's going to work. And one of the things that we've done to, to, to assess that is we've implemented some trial lanes or pilot lanes. And these have the technology already on them. And we're just assessing how they work right now so that when we do change everything, we have a better understanding of how it's going to affect the airport. Because one thing you don't want to do is to just make a huge change and realize there's a million and one problems and you don't know where to start. So doing it slowly. And right now I, I'm doing a whole bunch of assessments just to kind of see how different scenarios can affect how things like passenger flow rate would, would, would change or things like alarms, for example. How, how much do people alarm? What sort of stuff is alarmed on people? How perhaps can we utilize the people working on those security lanes to, to make their life easier, but also make passenger life easier as well? So these are all the different things that we're thinking about. And it's a really interesting role because you speak to a whole bunch of different people. You have to work on both your soft skills and technical skills because there's a lot of analysis involved. And I've really enjoyed it so far. I've been on that project since I started. Fantastic. So it looks like you do use a lot of your engineering um, skills on these projects and hopefully one day it means I won't have to take my shoes off as I go through airport security. <laughs> but um, Ismail, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. Thank you for coming along and thank you for your time. No worries. Thank you for having me. And thank you for listening and watching our podcast. It really shows you that uh, depending on what you do, there are still options and avenues that open up as you go forward. So think about the choices that you make, research uh, the areas that you want to go into, especially universities, uh, look at the modules and look at the courses, but don't get too hung up about it because new avenues open up and you can choose different things as you move on and get those skills that are going to be able to make you successful in your future endeavors.